0: Braves, Bulldogs, Falcons, Yellow Jackets, Hawks,
1: Eagles. From the heart of Georgia, it's the Bill Shanks Show. Happy Tuesday and welcome to our broadcast. I'm Bill Shanks in Waycross. Russ Brown back in Macon, Georgia. We are here talking sports on this Tuesday afternoon. We appreciate you being with us. By the way, I haven't even told Russ Is tomorrow, Russ. You are going to be really jealous because I'm going to be broadcasting live from Carter's Fried Chicken in Blackshear, Georgia. Uh,
0: Now, is that the place that had the fried squash, that picture you sent me over the weekend? Correct, Amundo.
1: Oh, you lucky dog. (laughs) And uh, I cannot wait until uh, you come down at some point in the future and go with me to Carter's Fried Chicken, but we are thrilled to – Welcome Carter's Fried Chicken on to our list of sponsors in Blackshear, on our station in Blackshear, and uh, 98.5 in Blackshear and Waycross. And I will be broadcasting live from there tomorrow. So look forward to that. And uh, I'll be having some fried squash, best fried squash in the state. It is really, really good. So we look forward to that. Got a lot to talk about today, a lot of football lot of football and a little bit of basketball as well so we'll uh we'll do that today football of course we're waiting on some oh here it is right here here's the news we've been waiting for russ espn is reporting that the ravens have placed the non-exclusive franchise tag on lamar jackson at 32 million dollars So, this is the news we've been waiting for all day, pretty much, and that is that the Ravens have said, okay, Lamar, here you go. You want to go get a deal better than this? Go ahead. And so, that allows another team like the Falcons to possibly offer Lamar Jackson a different deal that the Ravens will then have the opportunity to match. And if they do not match and Lamar Jackson goes to the team that offers him that contract, then that means that the team that were to get Lamar Jackson would have to give up two first round draft picks. And consequently, a lot of people have now speculated that the Atlanta Falcons could be that team and the Ravens have just tweeted that to confirm what ESPN had just reported so all day on ESPN they've been waiting for this news and of course waiting to see what Aaron Rodgers is going to do by the way if you watch ESPN at any point in time I hope you will also send them a a email letting them know that not everybody in the country gives a damn about the New York Jets but Russ there it is they are Non-exclusive franchise rights on Lamar Jackson, and so look out. What's next? Yeah, that's that's the that, that's the big question. Everybody's going to be asking. I, you know, I'll be curious
0: to see as we get into the to the day. You know, do Orlando led better? Josh Kendall, those guys. See if they have any intel of what the Falcons may do. If this is something that's going to interest them. Um, I, we talked to Josh on the midday show today, and he said the feeling he got was there's interest, but the price tag kind of scares them off a little bit. Uh, But, you know, there's also an owner that, uh, you know, if that's what he wants to do, that's what he's going to do. So I don't know. Um, I don't know if the Falcons are going to be in the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes or not. I hope they're not, personally. Um, I like Lamar Jackson a lot, and I won't be upset if they trade for him. It's just I want to see this, what they've done and built through the draft over the past two years, I want to see that process continue.
1: I'm with you, and uh, yeah, I was curious to what Josh said. I did not hear the interview. I heard that he was coming on with you guys, and and uh, was at lunch, so I didn't hear the interview with him. But uh, I trust Josh's opinion a great deal. I, look, I, I'm not going to be surprised that there's interest, right? This is a former MVP. This is a 26-year-old young man who still has a lot of football left in the tank, without a doubt. It's not like he is a is a uh, older player like a a uh, Matt Ryan or anyone like that so um, I, I just don't think they're at the stage where they can add this kind of player uh, I still have questions about the offensive line you know and, and I know the offensive line graded out well and and I have a dumb question to ask about this Russ and I, I don't know if you'll know the answer to this and and I was actually talking with a buddy of mine at lunch about this. I can't deny the fact that the offensive line graded out better than it has the last few years. And Kayla McGarry surprised people, obviously. Drew Dahlman started all 17 games. Could the reason that they graded out better perhaps partly be in cause, really, the fact that Marcus Mariota was running a lot uh, yeah, I, I I think that definitely
0: played played a role in it. I, I think the scheme played a role in it. Uh, you know, I think the Arthur Smith, whether he's an offensive coordinator or head coach, I think you know with the way it's it's kind of like the 49ers. They're always going to grade out high because of the effectiveness of the offense. Um, you know, they're r- more run oriented than most NFL teams, so the rushing numbers are always going to look good, and that's part of you know the formula. I guess is is how well do you run the football. And I want to say the Falcons. I think we're seventh in yards per carry this year. So, right. um, yeah, I, I think I think it's a couple. I think it's both of those. I think it was Mariota's ability to run, but also the scheme itself is just going to kind of lend itself
1: to that. If Matt Ryan had been the quarterback for the Falcons this past year, where their offensive line had been ranked high as it was, no, uh, no, no, because I mean it was.
0: Marcus Mariota's mobility opened up a lot of stuff for like, a lot of a lo- lot of running lanes for that offense that Matt Ryan's immobility would not have been able to do. There's so, no doubt about that.
1: So it's fair to say therefore that Marcus Mariota probably avoided more sacks, which allowed that those grades. To be higher than they were a year before with Matt Ryan. Sure, Do you agree. Yeah, I think that's fair. Absolutely. So, so does that still make it a little more ambiguous as to how good this offensive line is with a uh, "quote unquote" average quarterback? Is that still a question then that I have in my mind? Is it still more of a legitimate uh, question because of the fact Marcus Mariota is not going to be there next year?
0: Yeah, I, I would say yes and no, and, and the the yes being that you know they I think they still need to improve on the offensive line at either their guard or tackle position, depending on what they do with uh, Caleb McGarry. But I would also say no in that the scheme is the scheme moving forward. Yeah. And so you can afford to, you know, from a if you're thinking about it in terms of a financial cost of how much does the left tackle cost and how much does the right guard cost, if you can find guys that really stand out in the run blocking, you, may, you can maybe lean on the scheme a little bit there as, as opposed to the talent.
1: Well, so – Okay, let's let's dive in that a bit more. Again, the offensive line last year consisted of Drew Dominant, center 17 games as a starter. Jake Matthews, who obviously is a veteran player who's kind of getting up there. May still have another year or two that uh, you can count on is and I think he's under 3 years of contract left with the Falcons. The other tackle is Caleb McGarry who we said was high, more highly graded this year than he had been in the past. And therefore, um, it did make people question the Falcons' decision and not give him that fifth year. He is now an unrestricted free agent and can sign with any team next year. Chris Lindstrom, the right guard who obviously is one of the better offensive linemen, better guards in the league. And then Elijah Wilkinson scored, uh, started nine games for Atlanta. He's a free agent as well, and that was not a very good position. So you pretty much have Matthews and Lindstrom, really good players. Okay, we'll call them that. Dahlman, somewhat in the middle. I'll, I'll give him a little bit of credit, but I'm not going to uh, you know, make him out to be Tom McClure or Alex Mack by any means yet. And you definitely – have a question at right tackle where your player is a free agent and at left guard. So even at minimum, even if you're convinced center is okay with Drew Dahlman, you still have to wonder, all right, number one is Caleb McGarry coming back and who's going to be your left guard. Elijah Wilkinson is not the answer for the guard spot. And this kind of is important to me because of the question about the quarterback, Russ, as you said, if Lamar Jackson were acquired by the Falcons. And look, until Lamar Jackson either goes back to Baltimore or goes to someone else, Lamar Jackson's going to be linked to Atlanta. We know that. This is going to happen. Atlanta does not have a long-term answer at quarterback. They have a, a kid coming off four starts that unfortunately places him in that purgatory that Russ and I were hoping he and the Falcons would avoid coming out of this season. We, we wanted a season in 2022 where there would be zero doubt, no doubt, zero percent doubt in what the quarterback situation was going to be for the Falcons moving forward. And unfortunately, he only got four games to prove that, and it was not that he was bad or showed poorly or anything negative. He just didn't show enough to where the questions are, are going to linger. And half of Twitter right now is blowing up with people putting Lamar Jackson photos in the Falcons uniform on social media. So, But the question about Lamar Jackson's viability with this franchise, to me, is also has to be addressed with the offensive line. All right, you're going to bring Lamar Jackson in. We know he's a talented player. you got to protect team. Yes, he can run. Yes, he can make things happen. All right. You also have to have threats for him. If you give up your first-round draft picks for him, you're not going to have number eight. So there will be no Peter Skoronsky. There will be no Nolan Smith. There will be no Christian Gonzalez. So the ability to help the offensive line, or cornerback, or or uh, any other position that you need help in, which is about all. So that won't be possible. But you're going to have less cap room after you acquire Lamar Jackson and then less draft picks to help your your needs that you have on this team. Now, if the Falcons had gone through 2023 with Desmond Ritter, with the, the full draft they're getting ready to have, they're scheduled to have, with the free agents that they're going to add next week, with the cap room that they have, and still had a question mark about Desmond Ritter in the quarterback position, and in turn, a quarterback of Lamar Jackson's status was available, there would be no hesitation and no negativity on our part, I believe, speaking for us, and he can correct me if I'm wrong, I'm trying to get Lamar Jackson. Hell yes, let's get him. He's the piece. He's the one we need. He's the guy that can put the the icing on the cake for this team to bring in someone who needs to get them to the next level. They're not there yet. And, therefore, how do you it's, – it's like you've got two options here. You keep Desmond Ritter. You build around him with the cap room you have and the draft picks you have to try and improve this roster that's been stuck in purgatory – and salary cap hell for really three years. We've been lied to by that team for three years, telling us we're not in salary cap hell when, you know what, we can count. So you can do that, or you can trade for Lamar Jackson, give up your two first-round draft picks this year and next year, and blow half of your cap room on one player, and not have the ability to have the other positions adequately – addressed now again because the position and the timing of where they are at in their process that you know we don't want to call rebuild but that's what it is right it's it's a rebuild I, I just think you have to take plan B you have to keep Ritter You have to build around him and then see. And you know what, Russ, that may mean, well, there's no Lamar Jackson available on March the 7th, 2024. Well, you adjust. You move forward. But I just don't know if the other first option is a championship formula. Well, and that's it. You know, it, it the the Lamar
0: Jackson is a it makes you instantly relevant. It makes you instantly a contender for the NFC South. Uh, you know, it puts you in the top half of the NFC. But I'm, that's the you just nailed it on the head, Bill. I don't think it makes you a Super Bowl contender. I don't. They're just not ready yet. You know, two years down the road, a year down the road. If something like this was available and Desmond Ritter wasn't the guy at quarterback, and you had the cap space, then yeah, you know, it's 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 he's the missing piece. Um, so I, I I hope that they continue on the rebuild. On the other hand, I will say if they do make this trade, if they do decide to pursue this, and Lamar Jackson is in the Falcons uniform, it's going to be fun. Which we we haven't really been able to say that the past two years. It's just. I think for, for guys like me and you, I, I, look, I, I want the Falcons to be relevant and, and something we talk about and, and, and are very passionate about and pay, pay close attention to, and Lamar Jackson gives you that instantly, but I just don't think in the long run it's going to get you a Super Bowl.
1: I don't either. they got a lot of needs on this team, and they need a safety. They need a linebacker. They need help on that defensive line. They have a lot of needs. That's only on the defense. They need another receiver. They could use another tight end. They could use another running back. They need offensive line as we went through. I mean, that's a lot. And I I just worry about them blowing it all on on one player. I was looking at some of the predictions for some of the free agents. And, of course, we're eight days away from the start of free agency. And it's scary about how much some of these players are going to be able to make i mean these these guys obviously are getting into the 20 million dollar range if you're a really good player atlanta has 68 million dollars in cap room and that can go quick when you're trying to fill the team part of that cap room will obviously have to go to their draft picks and if you blow half of it blow being a maybe a Incorrect word, but if you spend half of it or a little less than half of it on one player, then your limitations are there. You know, do you do you spend big money on one player, like an Orlando Brown for the offensive line, or like a Jesse Bates for the secondary, and then get other players for seven, eight, ten million dollar deals to have more of your needs filled as you go along here? Do you try to get veterans that will come in on smaller deals, you know, shorter deals than the long-term situation? I think you have to weigh all those things. I'm sure they are. And um, anyway, this is going to be interesting. It's it's really going to be interesting. Not very often do you see a player of the caliber of Lamar Jackson on the, on the market, and he is now. He's on the market. If you're available for a team to come make a play for you, you're on the market. And – He's a former MVP with tremendous talent. We know that. He, he's really good. And Russ is right. That, that place will be packed if Lamar Jackson is the quarterback. And I know, that's what Arthur Blake wants, but I, I think there are other methods to get this team to a certain point where you can have um, uh, a, a team that people want to come to as well. Diana Rossini has just tweeted this out. The Atlanta Falcons will not be pursuing Lamar Jackson, according to sources. And I have to admit, Russ, that Diana Rossini has good contacts in the NFL. She's usually pretty spot on with her contacts. So she says no Lamar Jackson for Atlanta.
0: Yeah, there you go. And and I like the swiftness of that. You know, either yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to see. Either way, like are you talking to this guy or not? And uh it, it doesn't sound like they're going to be pursuing him, which good, you know. Now you can kind of get on with the rest of your off season. This is something that, you know, we we've talked about le- leading up to this. I was I never thought it would get to this point. I thought they would get a deal worked out. Yeah. Uh, but now that we're here and and that's out there, that Lamar Jackson is available, the, I'm, I, I like the quickness with which
1: this came out from Atlanta. I'm with you, and I, I have no reason to not believe it because, again, she's seemingly been fairly accurate on her reporting, and obviously she has heard something from someone in Atlanta that has told her that. So, again, Diana Rossini reporting the Atlanta Falcons will not be pursuing Lamar Jackson now that doesn't mean they're not going to take a quarterback or trade up for a quarterback in the first round but it means at least they will not be giving away their first pick this year and next year for Lamar Jackson the Falcons did bring a player back today Lorenzo Carter former Georgia Bulldog brought back after one season with the Falcons he had four sacks he signs a two-year contract he's 27 years old 65255 and from all accounts he was decent for them last year and you know I, we haven't seen the terms I don't believe of how much money this is but obviously it, it, it almost and this sounds negative and it shouldn't be con, uh, construed as, as such but it almost seemed to me of of someone who wanted to be in Atlanta who obviously is from the state of Georgia who wanted to come home a year ago who did well enough to where the team said, "Well, we don't want to get rid of him necessarily, so let's sign him." Do you agree with that, Russ? Yeah, I think so. I, I, and I think both
0: sides wanted to to work something out. I think I think Lorenzo wanted to stay home. He's a Norcross guy, of course, went to Georgia, and and look, and it's a position of need. And and, and I'm curious to see what the the pay is here because I'm not saying he's a a, a backup per se, but I think you're going to see more of a rotational type situation with him. And I'm you know and and look. I think he's the type of player, if you can improve the players around him, I think you can, you'll can. you see his production go up. So I, I, I like this move by the Falcons.
1: Well, it doesn't seem like he's going to be the only pass rusher on the team. Again, he only had four sacks last year. He had had a decent season uh, as well this year before with five sacks in 14 games. He, he played and started in all games last year for Atlanta. I mean, he was good. He wasn't great, but I think he did a good job. And I still think there is going to be – another pass rusher uh, added onto this team. So they brought Lorenzo Carter back, and that's uh, a good piece for this defense as he did play well last year and, and seemed to have some pressure on the quarterback, which which was good. Also, a, a UGA football note to throw at you, and that is that former defensive back Jaheim Singletary, who was a five-star prospect in the 2022 class for UGA, has decided to transfer to Arkansas. He had already gone into the transfer portal, and Jaheim Singletary now going to play for the Razorbacks. So there you go. We'll take a break, come back more NFL talk with a couple of mock drafts from today. Then we'll talk basketball. With Russ Brown, I'm Bill Shanks. You're listening to The Bill Shanks Show. All right, again, to repeat, ESPN's Diana Rossini reporting that the Atlanta Falcons will not pursue Lamar Jackson. The Ravens had put the franchise non-exclusive tag on Lamar Jackson, meaning the other teams can bring an offer back to him. He can sign it, and if the Ravens do not match it, the Ravens would then get – time to uh, match it, and uh, they would get two first-round draft picks if they if they do not match it. Now you have to wonder, Russ, how this news, uh, both pieces of news, could impact the other teams around Atlanta in the draft. Carolina, of course, is possibly in the ma- market for a quarterback. Uh, that has been mentioned. Seattle, while they signed Geno Smith, you wonder if they could be in the market to bring Lamar out there. I mean, who who else that has been looking at quarterback, Houston and all these other teams, I mean, they may have to look at, at the possibility of, of Lamar Jackson as well.
0: Yeah, it, it, if he does go to one of those other teams, which I, I think for the Falcons' sake you, you hope does not happen, um, it, you got to watch out because, you know, that's going to push a quarterback down the list. Um which I mean, and maybe it makes it a little bit more realistic for a team in the mid-teens, maybe that needs a quarterback to come up to number eight. So it could help if you wanted to trade back. But you know the way that combine went with the big four quarterbacks uh, all performing well, you know, and seeing them mock drafts now, they're going in the first seven picks before the Falcons even pick, which is good because that's going
1: to push a really good defensive player down to number eight. Absolutely, no doubt. Let's take a look at a couple of mock drafts that have been out today. First, Todd McShay, ESPN, with another mock draft. This is um, one of the two with Mel Kuyper, who are uh, obviously the NFL draft guys for ESPN. He's got a trade between Chicago and Indianapolis, with the Colts getting number one and taking Bryce Young from Alabama. Second, Houston has C.J. Stroud of Ohio State. Third, Arizona, Will Anderson. And then he has the Bears trading down again with the Raiders trading up to number 4 and grabbing Anthony Richardson from the University of Florida. You know, look, um I hope this kid can be as good as people thinks. People think that he can be. Uh, there's no doubt the skill set's there. There's skepticism on on my part because I I just want to see some type of performance that shows you From his college days, he can do that, but there's no question he seems to be a a top five pick in in this draft. And so, therefore, should we be shocked if the Raiders, who obviously have traded, or rather, I'm sorry, released Derek Carr, do something like this? No, I don't think we should be too surprised by that. All right, number five, Seattle, Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech. Number six, Detroit, Christian Gonzalez, the cornerback from Oregon. Chicago, moving back to number seven, takes Peter Skoronsky, the tackle guard from Northwestern, which would probably be a very popular pick there. And in number eight, how about this? Todd McShay projects the Falcons will take Nolan Smith, outside linebacker from University of Georgia. And he writes, here's my biggest riser of the combine. I had Smith up at number five in my preseason rankings, but I dropped him quite a bit. After a torn pectoral muscle limited him to eight games and three sacks this past year, he's back up number 10 overall, though. At 238, he busted out a 439 second, 40 yard dash, 41.5 inches in the vertical jump, and 10 foot 8 in the broad. That's ridiculous. I love Smith's cho- closing burst to the quarterback and the way he can create havoc in the backfield as a run defender if he works on his pass rush moves and the way he formulates a plan on every snap. It could be a prom off the edge for opposing coordinators. At twenty after twenty one sacks, the Falcons need all the pass rush they can get. Lorenzo Carter uh, was just resigned, but the team needs more players who can get pressure off the edge. You buying Nolan Smith that high, Russ? Yeah, oh definitely. I think after the, the what he did at the
0: combine, uh, like like a lot like what Schefter wrote there because. You know, the the thing about Nolan is what he was asked to do in Georgia's defense wasn't necessarily be a flat-out pass rusher all the time. So I think teams are going to look at those measurables and say, you know, this guy has you know, his best football still ahead of him. Uh, so I'm not surprised. I mean, I, I would love for the Falcons to be able to get him at number eight uh, because that's definitely what they need at pass rusher. But, yeah, I've seen – You know, he's one of those guys, and I think the – I'm drawing a blank on the name, but the young man out of Texas Tech, I think those are the two I've seen move up the mock drafts the most since the Combine.
1: Yeah, Tyree Wilson, the defensive end from Texas Tech. um, McShea has him at number five. Sidebar now, Peter Schrager from NFL Network tweeted out, can add to Diana Rossini's report, the Falcons are not and have not been in on pursuing Lamar Jackson. So, there you go, a second – Report from a reputable writer that the Falcons are not in on Lamar. All right, Will Levis goes to Carolina at number nine in Ty McShay's mock draft. John Robinson, the running back, goes to the Eagles at number 10. Number 11, Paris Johnson, Jr., the offensive tackle from Ohio State. And then at number 12, Jalen Carter from the University of Georgia goes to Houston. Now, look, we have talked over the last week, obviously, about the Jalen Carter situation. I just can't imagine him dropping number 12. Again, 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 again. Will these teams feel comfortable or not with Jalen Carter after they have the one-on-one private, you know, very private conversations with Jalen Carter when they ask him the questions that we know he's going to be asked? I don't know. I don't know how they're going to feel. I mean, if he's dropping number 12 in this mock draft, then McShay is not certain There's going to be a whole lot of comfort level with Jalen Carter. Remember, McShay was the one who reported prior to the wreck in Athens on January the 15th that there were questions about Jalen Carter, and he even said on television that he got a lot of hell from the Bulldog Nation, and he did. Twelfth, though, for Jalen Carter, and, you know, while everything you said, Ross, about Nolan Smith is correct, man, I still think – and I know – we can get into the morality question and whether or not he should have left the scene, all of that. I get it, and I understand that, and I wish that I had the ability. You and I were sitting in a room, Russ, and interviewing Jalen Carter so we would know a better answer for these questions that we're answering. We don't have that luxury, obviously. I still think he's the top talent in the draft, and therefore I can't imagine him slipping to number 12.
0: Yeah, well, I, well, this this is the second mock draft I've seen him outside of the top 10. Uh, so I, I do think there's going to be a draft draft day slide, and I think it's just going to be there are going to be teams that are okay with it, and there's going to be teams that just aren't okay with it. And, you know, you mentioned the Todd McShay stuff, and, you know, Jeremy Fowler, uh, a, a listener let me know this, was on Darian Mill, and they asked him about it. And he wouldn't go into specifics, but it had something to do with the way he treats people inside the building. So there, there's something there. Mm. Um, I don't think these guys are just making this stuff up. I and don't I, either. So it's, I think it is going to hurt his draft stock. And I think, I think the other thing, too, is with that coming out and him being an interior guy, you know, he's the guy that slows down the run and helps the pass rush, but not necessarily a pass rusher. So I think, you know, it, it's going to be easier for teams to just say – you know, especially because you've got at that top, top, top part of the draft, you know, you're going to be getting a very good player in theory. So it's just, there's going to be somewhere in that draft, 12 might be a good place for it, uh, maybe 15, somewhere in there. It's just going to be where his talent is just so
1: superior to what you have to choose from that a team's going to take a chance on him. I mean, the more we talk about this, uh, and it does seem, even with the different circumstances, just like a carbon copy of The Warren Sapp situation.
0: Can I say something on that, though? Because I've heard people say that. I I don't agree with that. I don't. Warren Sapp got busted for pot. Somebody died
1: here. No question. But an off-the-field issue made the player that was talked about as the best player in that draft, as he was that year, to slide. Yeah. And so that that's that's the correlation. There's no question. There's a difference in what the off the field situation was. We do not know, however, whether Jalen Carter was responsible for that death. So while there was a death, and we have to respect that, you know, uh, there's a chance you, know, you th- could hurt somebody else
0: with the reckless driving, though. Crash aside, uh, cr- you know, and you're right about that. I'm not saying he has anything to do with that. I'm talking about the right. reckless driving. That's uh, that's putting oh, people's lives in
1: danger. It, and you know what. It, it, Another thing that I don't think can be avoided is that and, – and somebody correct me if I'm wrong on this, but didn't Kirby Smart say that after the racing that was going on in Atlanta last summer and in Athens that he brought in police to talk to these players about the racing? Didn't he say that I, I think I – yeah, I think I do remember something about that, yeah. All right. So Now, I don't know the timing of that discussion. I don't know when police were brought in to talk. I'm sure I didn't dream that. But I'm sure I heard that Kirby Kirby Smart brought in, and it may have been with Mark's interview with him, Mark Schleyball's interview with him on Friday on ESPN. If he brought in police to talk to those players about racing, and you had Jamon Dumas-Johnson, Arrested for it the day after they got back from the national championship game. Then you had Jalen Carter arrested in in connection, excuse me, with the accident that obviously killed two people. You had Jalen Carter arrested for speeding earlier in the year. How dumb can these players be if they are told by the team with a policeman or some type of authority figure, do not race, and they go out and do it? I mean – doesn't that have to be a question that we ask as well? Mm-hmm.
0: No, I, I, no question about it. I mean, b- b- there's no question about it because it's it's just that for me it's it's like I mean, there's the legal side of things, which you know the charges are misdemeanors. I don't think that's that big of a deal. It's just the you know when you, when you're putting other people in jeopardy, right? That that's that's the big difference for me.
1: No question. It is it, 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 it is a dilemma that. <laughs> is 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 awful to have to discuss. You know, I was thinking last night after we got off the air, again, uh, I had someone last night after the show call me and they were asking me about Kirby's comments from the other day, and and I actually shared that video uh, that I shared with you, Russ, from when I went to Athens right after the wreck for another reason and drove down that stretch. And, and I know it was 2.30 in the morning, but if, if there was racing going on, that road at any other time besides after midnight tell me how someone wouldn't have been killed by being close to that sidewalk yeah i don't see how you avoid it i mean i i don't i i mean that that in
0: that video that you showed me bill it's one of those curves where like if i was driving during the day and the speed limit's 45 i'd probably be going less than that to go around that particular curve
1: yeah and we i mean we take those kind of curves every day right i mean you have to be careful. You have to slow down. And, and yet 104, mm. if we were going, excuse me, I said we, if Chandler was going 104 miles an hour, how fast, and I guess this will come out at some point, how fast was Jalen Carter going? Yeah. Do they have any any proof of that or any type of evidence of that? They, I mean, they have proof, I would presume, that he was racing. So how fast could he have been going? God knows, right? Yeah, there's no telling. So anyway, I mean, this is a dilemma that is going to continue, and, and we don't have all the answers. We're sitting here trying to find all the answers, but like I said, yes, it's different than what SAP was dealing with as far as pot issues and, and whether he was a druggie. Let's be honest, especially in 1995 when marijuana was looked at a little bit differently than it is now as far as, well, it's legal in some states – Back in 1995, the question was going to be, well, is he just a drug addict? Which, I hate to tell you, I don't give a damn how many states have marijuana legal. I don't want any of my players on marijuana all the time either. I just don't. I mean, that's my personal preference. I don't. Uh, My personal preference. I don't want a bunch of potheads on my team. Anyway, um, but the the off-the-field issues – it calls a player – because I, I think – and, again, we went over that draft the other day, Russ. I'm pretty sure Warren Sapp was universally believed to be the best player in that draft. Yeah. I mean, he was a hard-nosed sob and football player from Miami, right, who was just mean as hell, yeah. right? And yeah. And he fell because of one reason.
0: Well, see, and I would see – and the way I look at it is I categorize the Jalen Carter situation different than I would like the Stetson-Bennett situation because Stetson wasn't putting anybody in jeopardy and that's where I would put the Warren Sapp. You're not you're, there's
1: not a potential for you to hurt you're no. just hurting yourself, not other people. So is that difference then? I mean it's either way it's going to drop. Mm-hmm. I mean more, it, there's no question that Jalen Carter is not going to be a top 3 draft pick, right? I mean yeah. it's just I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's going to be two quarterbacks and probably Will Anderson. So however many spots he drops, it's going to be because of his off the field issues to those teams ask the question more about how dumb you have to be to race and put other people in jeopardy by what you're doing in your own vehicle, or the question that we've asked the last couple of days and brought up by Bobby from Macon very clearly, and that is, how could you have left your teammate? Yeah, what's well, going to be more important to them, right? I mean, because both them, both things could be a problem.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think the decision making and the and the leaving the teammate is going to be more of an issue than the actual charges themselves. I, I mean, that's because you 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 want to make sure if you bring somebody into the fold, if you draft somebody, they're not going to put your organization in a negative light. And I think because of his talent, that Jalen Carter is somebody that we're all rooting for, and you hope yeah. that it, it's going to work out. And I think the most important thing is March seventh. Today is March 7th. There's a long way to go to the draft. So, yeah. uh, you know, more information could come out. Hopefully nothing else happens. So, you know, th- I think whatever the, whatever it is today, I think will change by draft day.
1: Let me ask you another question. And, again, we're, I'm just throwing things up against the wall here because th- th- while the circumstances are awful, no question, it, this is an interesting situation. What if he takes that wonderlick test and his score is very good? <laughs> then I'm going to have even more questions on why you're doing
0: what you're doing. Right. Yeah. But, well,
1: I mean that could happen. So, because let's, let's be honest with what has happened. Unfortunately, one of the questions is going to be asked. Just like I said that the questions about Warren Sapp years ago were going to be about whether or not he was a drug addict or he was just a pothead. If you, even if you don't want to call a drug addict, if you just pothead, are people going to say, Jalen, are you just dumb as hell because of the decisions that you made to to race that was in conjunction with a crash that killed two people and then to leave the scene? Are you just a dumbass? And, and the bad part about that is, you know, people who make bad decisions are not necessarily dumbasses. So if there's something else, whether it's an interview, Russ, or a Wunderlich test, which all these players are going to get, like it or not, and the results of those two things, the interview and the test, confound the NFL teams even more as to how he made the decisions that he made on those occasions, then what are they going to do? Yeah,
0: No, that's a great question. I mean, and again, without being able to talk to the – person you don't really know but I just I, my gut tells me this is just that you know typical we've all been there 20, 21 years old 10 feet tall bulletproof kind of mentality and and, and hopefully he's getting ready to grow out of that.
1: I hope so. I mean I, I, I agree I mean I, and I think whether we like it or not that kid and again this is just a guess when he realized that those people were in trouble he got scared. Should he have left? No. But what happens when a lot of people will get scared? They get the hell out of Dodge. And I think that's what he did. So, anyway, it's it's uh, <laughs> it's so unbelievable that we're having to talk about all this. This is so unfortunate. You know, this is the best player in this draft. I have no doubt about it. You know what? As we were talking about this, Russ, I know we got to go to break. The other The other memory that I have is him holding up that LSU player to almost show <laughs> his dominance on the line of scrimmage.
0: Yeah, no, you know, yeah, and and in a lot of ways, I wish the Atlanta Police Department the day after would have just told us he was called back to the scene, and this would have, I mean, we'd have processed this three weeks ago.
1: Exactly. Well, and because they didn't, and they should have been more on it. That's that's a whole other story, right? <laughs> yeah, a whole other story because that that sounded kind of fishy. And if not for the reporting of the Atlanta Journal Constitution, by the way whom a lot of people have criticized, we wouldn't know about that. All right, uh, we obviously stopped on our voyage down the Todd McShay mock draft. <laughs> uh, we'll come back and, and talk about that some more as we continue right after this. The Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution adding to the reports now that the Atlanta Falcons will not pursue Lamar Jackson, so... Orlando in an article that he has just published on AJC.com says that a person familiar with the situation has told him the Falcons will not pursue Lamar Jackson. So I think that pretty much cements the fact that Lamar Jackson will not be an option for the Atlanta team. All right, back to the Todd McShay mock draft. At number 13, Broderick Jones from University of Georgia goes to Jets. At 14, Quentin Johnston, the wide receiver who supposedly plays for TCU. We didn't see him on January the 9th. He goes to the Patriots at 14. Michael Meyer, the big tight end from Notre Dame, goes to the Green Bay Packers. By the way, he did not have a good combine for some reason. Commanders take Devin Witherspoon from Illinois. Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State goes to the Steelers at 17. At number 18, Lucas Van Ness, defensive end from Iowa, who's also been linked to Atlanta, although I think – Nolan Smith may have passed Lucas Van Ness for that defensive end type player. Joy Porter, Jr., from Penn State. Cornerback goes the Buccaneers at 19. Miles Murphy from Clemson and the Atlanta area goes to Seattle at 20. Jordan Addison, the short receiver from USC, goes to the Chargers at 21. Jackson Smith, Najimba, the wide receiver from Ohio State, goes to the Ravens. Minnesota then takes Deontay Banks from Maryland. Jacksonville takes Darnell Wright from Tennessee, a tackle, which they'll need if Jawan Taylor leaves. I still think that could be where Darnell goes. Zay Flowers from Boston College goes to the Giants at 25. Don Kincaid goes to the Cowboys at 26. Then Keon White from Georgia Tech to Buffalo at 27. Anton Harrison from Oklahoma to the Bengals at 28. Then at 29, the enemy takes Brian Brice from Clemson. Philadelphia takes Kalaja Kansey from Pittsburgh, the defensive tackle who had a great combine the other day, and Derek Hall from Auburn goes to Kansas City at number 31. So McShay does not have Darnell Washington going in the first round, Russ. That's I just he has him going 32nd and in the draft, which, um, I mean, I just think that's nuts.
0: I think, I, I mean, if that scenario plays out, I'm, I'm not getting any sleep if I'm Terry Fontenot until I have the 32nd pick for, the, for Friday night. I mean, I, you got to get back. I mean, because I'm thinking the Falcons could find a way maybe if he slips in, past in, maybe into the mid-20s to trade back into the first round to get him. I don't – there's two teams in particular, and that's Jacksonville and Kansas City. I don't see those two teams passing on him, not both of them.
1: Well, and I yeah, I heard uh, was it Ken that called you up and yeah. said that on the midday show about, about Kansas, Kansas City, City yep. uh, to, to pair with Kelsey. And, you know, we said this yesterday, that it, didn't we, that it's almost like that Darnell Washington, because of what we saw the last two years with Brock Bowers, that a team like Jacksonville with Evan Ingram, a team like Kansas City with Jason Kelsey, and a, a team like Atlanta with Kyle Pitts would be a more perfect fit for Darnell compared to someone who simply needs a tight end.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't think don't there's anything. oh, 100%. I, don't, I mean, look, they say the NFL is a copycat league. I guarantee you there's NFL coordinators that saw what Georgia was doing offensively. I mean, Todd Munkin was sought after. There were two, a couple yeah. of t- NFL teams that wanted him. And, and you know, the, when you could get uh, two tight ends especially and, – and the thing about Darnell Washington is he, there's not other tight ends like him. He's very unique in what he's able to do. So if you compare him with another elite tight end – then, I mean, you're going to create matchup nightmares like we saw it at Georgia. I mean, teams didn't know
1: how to defend that offense. I I just look, and to me, of all three of those guys, Kelsey and Ingram and Pitts, Pitts is the biggest one, right? I think Pitts is even bigger than Kelsey, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, my God, you just think about how that line – you signed Orlando Brown, you get get Darnell Washington – for the other tight end spot with Pitts on the field, that'll be unbelievable, Russ. I the don't f- care who the heck's playing quarterback. <laughs> well, that, My God, you'd be protected by that
0: bunch. Right. That, I mean, the only thing you're missing there is, a, is a, a deep threat at wide receiver, and really all you need a guy, I mean, I'd say it, like that you can just go find one anywhere. But, I mean, there's a lot of guys out there that can run a 4-4 and catch a football, you know. But you, yep. you just go find somebody with elite speed to stretch the defense, and I think the offense is built. You know, with Desmond Ritter at quarterback. Because you have surrounded him now to where if you're able to do something like that and he doesn't have success next year, well, then you know you need to go get a quarterback.
1: Yep, I agree. All right, real quick, Dane Brugler from The Athletic has Atlanta taking Tyree Wilson, the edge from Texas Tech, in the first round. And as far as Darnell Washington, let's just look for that. He's got Darnell going 24th. To the Jacksonville Jaguars. And as we said uh, and talked about at length yesterday, if Darnell's there at 24 with Evan Ingram coming back and to pair him with Darnell Washington for Trevor Lawrence, look out. You are listening to The Bill Shanks Show.